All right, we are continuing this series called Spirit-Filled Fruit. comes out of Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. We've already covered all four of those. If you missed any of those, go back and listen to them. It will be a blessing to you, I believe. And this is the one we're going to be hitting on today, which is kindness. But then next week, we'll look at goodness and continue in faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. So we're talking about kindness today. And I just want to ask you to kind of think with me, how would you define kindness? I mean, have you ever tried to define a word like that? Like, how would you define kindness? What actually is kindness? We all know what unkind behavior is. Uh, how many of you guys have watched online clip after clip of people behaving rudely at airlines or, you know, in grocery stores? How many, come on, just admit you just, have you guys been stuck in that cycle of watching one right after the other? You guys aren't going to admit it. I have. I don't even know why I do it. I don't know why we find it as entertainment sometimes to watch other people's rude behavior. I think it's just because it, we're like, we know we shouldn't act that way and we're shocked at the extent that some people will go. And it's kind of fascinating. It's like a train wreck. You can't look away from it sometimes. It's not healthy behavior, but we tend to do it. And we know that what unkind behavior is, we might call it rude behavior. And so we know what it's not. And all of us have experienced kindness. How many of you guys just think of some times in your life where you would define as kind? Anybody remember some of those times? I was thinking of one this week uh, from years ago. It was probably 10 years ago. And I was sick one day, and we had some friends in the church, and they just volunteered without asking or us hinting or anything like that. They just heard that I was sick, and they said, we're, we're bringing you over some chicken noodle soup or whatever it was. We're going to bring you over some soup. And they brought us over some, a meal like we didn't ask for it, you know. And for some reason, that like really struck me at like a deep level. And I think it was because up until that point, I can't remember of anybody ever doing that for me before, just unasked for or unhinted at or anything like that. Maybe you guys just get soup all the time. I don't know. But for me, it was like, for some reason, I just thought that was like an extremely kind thing to do. And so, you know, but I still struggle. Like, what is it about that thing that made that kind? I mean, because we can't define kindness as bringing soup to everybody. Like, kindness definition in the dictionary, brings soup, you know? That's not what kindness is. So how do we define find kindness? I, I really struggled with this definition because as you study the word kindness in this original language, the word very closely uh, related to it that continues to pop up is the word goodness. But goodness is also one of the other aspects of the fruit of the Spirit we're going to be looking at next week. And I'm like, I can't talk about goodness today. I've got to preach a message next week on goodness. So what is the difference between kindness and goodness? You know, I, I was talking with Pastor Aaron this week, and he said, well, I've always thought of kindness as goodness in action. And I thought, well, that's a great Definition. That's a good starting point, a good foundational starting point. It, I believe as I've studied it, though, it's, it even goes beyond that. And that's what we're going to look at. It, goes, it is those things, but it goes even deeper than that. And I happened upon a podcast and a book separately that I was just randomly, uh, you know, just throughout my weekly, you know, you know, regimen of listening to things and reading things that all pointed me in a similar direction that I was not even expected, expecting. And I was like, that's it. That, that makes total sense. And so how many of you guys were here last week? We talked about patience. 
One of the definitions of patience, we said, is having the same heart towards others that God has towards us. And this idea of kindness, and some of the definitions we're going to look at at kindness, they have a similar feel to them, but I really believe they're a lot more personal and in many ways a lot more practical, and it comes straight from the mouth of Jesus, and so that's important as well. And so if you have a Bible, let's go to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, and you might know this as what we call the golden rule. It says, so whatever you wish that others would do, do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And so kindness, a great definition for kindness, number one is this, kindness is treating others the way you want to be treated. You know, the chapter in chapter 7 starts off by saying, judge not lest you be judged. So it gives us a negative example of, hey, if you don't want people to treat you this way, then don't treat people that way, right? So, but it goes beyond random acts of kindness because we talk about random acts of kindness. So what is it in a deeper way? Well, I was reading a book by John Maxwell and he was talking about leadership stuff and he said, he mentioned five things that all of us want to have and to be treated like by other people. And I'll just mention them really quickly. We all want people to encourage us, right? We all want people to appreciate us. We all want people to forgive us. We all want people to listen to us. We all want people to understand us. And those are some basic things that if we want those things, then we ought to treat other people in that way as well. Now we're going to see this goes a lot deeper than this. But and you might be thinking, well, why do I even need to know this? I mean, just, you know, well, Jesus said it's like one of the important things that we've got to catch. And so we need to make sure that we get this. And so each week during this series, I'm having my wife Becca come and help me preach this. So she's going to take point number 1, give her a big hand as she comes and brings point number 1. So as we're talking about this today, Keep hold of the fact that God is kind. Don't skip over that. God didn't have to be kind. The creator of heaven and earth that can hold the galaxies in the palm of his hand is kind to us. Isn't that amazing? I mean, God could have been just and merciful, and he could have just not been kind, or just could have been neutral. But instead, he chooses to take that extra step and be kind to us. Hold on to that as, as we're going through this message. So as far as I can remember it, it was the year 1983, and I was six turning seven that year, and there was one toy that everybody wanted. Do, if we have that picture, put it up. The Cabbage Patch Kid. Anybody of my age remember this? I wanted a Cabbage Patch Kid so bad. And um, the thing is that in 1983, a Cabbage Patch Kid cost $25. In today's money, that's $75. So that's $75 for $1. So there was no way. I was not getting a Cabbage Patch Kid, but I wanted it so bad. And my brother had a friend who was a couple years older than him, and she was maybe 15 or 16. And I don't remember if it was for my birthday or if it was just because, but she bought me a Cabbage Patch Kid. Um, it was, I remember it was yellow dress, two chunky braids, because I always used to wear my hair in braids when I was little. And... Of course, I'm like seven years old. I was ecstatic to get what I was wanting that whole time. But even at that young of an age, it woke up something in me that I was kind of floored that I think that was the first gift I received from like a non-family member that was so generous and so 
kind. And it just hit me. And I couldn't, I wasn't old enough to understand it all, but it did something on the inside of me when she gave me that gift. I don't, I don't think I have that doll anymore, but that memory of that kindness has stuck with me over this whole time. Like 38 years later, I can still remember that kindness. Kindness is extremely important to God. I think that what we tend to do when we're thinking about all the attributes of like a strong, mighty man or woman of God, I don't think we think of kindness right away. I think maybe we think of somebody that's like bold and shares the gospel and maybe somebody that does like signs and wonders and they're healing the sick. And I think that if we think of kindness, we think of it as kind of like an afterthought. Like, yeah, go do all those things. Go, you know, save the world. And if you can be kind, then okay. You know, but it's not that big of a deal. But if you look at this, I'm not going to put these up, but if you look at the scriptures, first of all, our key scripture, Galatians 5.22, but then 2 Peter 1.7, Colossians 3.12, 2 Corinthians 6.6, 6, these are all lists of things that are important for a believer to have, a disciple of Jesus to have, and kindness is right there. Kindness is listed along with purity, with faith, with knowledge, with love, Kindness is extremely important to have. And Shauna's going to talk here in a little bit about how we can go deeper than just doing, than just action. But before we do that, I just want to encourage you guys, you have no idea how small of an act of kindness will change somebody. I mean, I know you guys can attest, but there have been times I've gotten something as simple as like a two-sentence text from somebody, but it meant everything to me. And even if I forgot to tell them or didn't tell them, it just, it changed everything. Something as small as a text. And the one thing I love about kindness is, like, if you think about patience, like we talked about last week, patience is kind of a response to something happening to you, right? You get in a situation, and you have to choose or step into patience. Peace, too. A lot of times, we experience the fruit of peace because there's something that we are unpeaceful about or we're tempted to be unpeaceful about. Kindness, you can be kind all the time. You can be kind on good days, on bad days, on normal days. You can always choose to be kind. And you cannot underestimate those tiny things that seem so small to you and how big of a difference they'll make. That gift from 38 years ago still resonates with me today. So go be kind. Step into that. All right, kindness is treating others the way you want to be treated. Let's go even deeper, though. The second definition or aspect of kindness I want to plant in us is this idea, that kindness is treating others not as they are, but as they can be. Because in order to be kind, you are going to have to understand this concept, or you're going to find a million reasons why you should not be kind. Kindness is treating others not as they are, but as they can be. All right, let's look at a scripture we've looked at several times in this series. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have a word there that's called sanctify. Now let's get some basic theology out of the way. Uh, we, when we get saved, we have a word come into play theologically called justified. 
Justified means that we are rightly aligned with God, that we are moved into a position of right standing with God and that God's, that the righteousness of Jesus Christ is now given to us so that when God looks at us, he looks through the blood of Jesus to see us so that the Bible says that he doesn't even remember our sins anymore. It's not that he doesn't convict us along the way. It's just that our position, we have been justified. We have been set right before God. And then at the end, when we enter what we would call eternity, even though we already have experienced eternal life if you are alive in Christ today. But at the end of our life, we are uh, called glorified. We will have glorified bodies, right? Everything that is wrong will be set right. Even with creation, everything that is wrong will be set right. But everything in your life, in your body, and even you will come to what we would call full, complete sanctification. We would call that being glorified. But in between being justified and being glorified is this word called being sanctified. Now, being sanctified is this, here's what it is. It's, a, it's progressively becoming more holy and like Christ in between being justified and being glorified. And we will be in this process of sanctification for all of our life. We will not get to complete sanctification until we hit being glorified. Now, how does this happen? Like we were talking about the fruit of the spirit. It's not the work of the flesh or it's not the white knuckling it of spiritual activity although we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit, what this is, here's one way that this happens. I want you to think about this. If you know me very well, you know that I like to pace around all the time. How do you, some of you guys know me. I, I pace all the time. I can't, it's like, it's hard for me to stand still. When I'm preparing a message over an auditorium too uh, on Tuesdays and I'll work on it on Thursday, I'll easily each day get 10 to 12 miles pacing around in auditorium too. No joke, I'm not exaggerating. Sometimes it's even more. And I just pace around all the time. I, I listen to podcasts and I pace. I pray and I pace. I read books, literally. I read books while walking around. I know that may not seem possible, but I do that. Everything I do, I'm moving around. And I'm doing it right now. I just can't stop doing it, right? And I just can't stop moving. Now, at my house, we have this big kitchen island, and then we have a gap in between the island and then our rectangle uh, table that's our dining room table, which makes a great racetrack to make a figure eight and pace around. And so at home, I'll find myself just pacing around the, the island and then going around as I'm thinking about something, or I'll be having conversations. Well, something interesting happens over the years. I, you know, if you come to my house at some point, at any given point, it very well could be happening that I will be pacing around the island and pacing around the, the dining room table, and you will also find my youngest daughter, Lindsay, pacing around in the same pattern. We didn't plan it. We're just talking. We won't even know it's happening. And all of a sudden, we'll just be having conversations, high-fiving each other along the way. We're just living life. We're just doing that, right? I didn't teach her to do that, right? I, I, didn't, I didn't, you know, make her do that. She'll be doing that, you know, just in the, you know, I'll be sitting in the living room and I'll look in there and I'll just say, hey, you thinking about something? She's like, yeah, she's working stuff out. She's just going through her process. What happened? She began to pick up on attributes of her father just by proximity and time. And I didn't have to make her do that. She just began to do that. Over time, she just began to almost, we could almost say involuntarily. We could almost say she didn't even try to do it. 
because it's just something that she saw. It's just something that she began to do it, so much so that she probably thinks it's just something she came up with on her own. Do you see, this is somewhat how the fruit of the Spirit works at times. When you get in close proximity with your Father, when you get in close proximity with the Holy Spirit, you begin to almost automatically begin to take on attributes so that you begin to look like Jesus. And we would say from our perspective, at times almost without even trying. Now, I know some of us are like, well, I don't experience that. There's a cooperation that happens with the Holy Spirit. We've laid the foundation for that. But I'm telling you, the more you are in the presence of God, the more the process of sanctification begins to happen in you almost without you doing something. That's how fruit is developed. This process will happen for the rest of your life, and it's never completed in your life, but one day you will be fully sanctified. How many of you guys can't wait for that day? Fully sanctified, where all of the stuff you struggle with, all of the personality issues, all of the sin, all of the stuff will be completed. You'll be completely mature, lacking nothing. So here's what kindness is. Kindness is prophetically treating others as their fully sanctified selves. When you look at someone else, you don't look at them according to their sin. You don't look at them according to their now. You look at them according to their fully sanctified self and relate to them in the here and now as they will be then. That's what Jesus does. And we know that that's the context and that's the heart of kindness because we can see it in context. We looked at Matthew 7. Let's go over to the other place where Jesus talks about what we would call the golden rule. In Luke chapter 6, verse 31, you can skip down to the bottom there, and here's the golden rule again. As you wish others, that others would do to you, do so to them. Now let's look at context. How many of you guys know Bible study context is important? All right, here it is. Here's the context of Jesus making that statement. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. You guys know none of those examples are examples of people who are living their best life now, right? Those are people who, I mean, how hard is it to be kind to somebody who's cursing you? How hard is it to be kind to somebody who hates you? The only way you can do that is not if you look at them for what they deserve now, but is if somehow you can prophetically see them through the eyes of God and begin to be able to see them by faith in a way that only God could help you do. See, that's why we need the Holy Spirit, because we can't do that, because we see in the flesh, but through the Spirit now, we can see them according to how God sees them, and we can prophetically see them as their fully sanctified self, and then begin to interact with them as such. That is kindness. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we need the Holy Spirit's help to do this. Now, I remember a year or two ago, as I was thinking about this message, about a year or two ago, I got into a discussion with my wife, Becca, and uh, it wasn't a discussion, it was an argument. And I, I actually, I said some things in a raised voice that I instantly regretted. How many of you guys have been there before, right? 
And the kids were in the house, but I didn't know if they heard or not. And so the first opportunity I got, I communicated to them. I was like, hey, I don't know if you guys heard or not, but I said, you know, and I apologized. And I said, you know, whether you heard or not, it doesn't matter. I'm just apologizing to everybody. And in that moment, my kids responded with things like, we love you, Dad. We're praying for you. We forgive you. Isn't it humbling when your kids act more spiritual than you? <laughs> what were they doing? They were responding and interacting with me, not according to my sin or my mess up. They were interacting with me as the father that I can be, should be, or that Jesus sees me as. And they related to me in that way. See, that's kindness. It was extremely kind. Larry Randolph, he said this, this quote, and he was talking about relationships between parents and kids, um, but you can put whatever relationship, you can put a spouse, you can put a friend, you can put a parent or a child in this statement, but he said this. He said, look for the glory God has deposited in the lives of people around you and lock on to that and drag it to the surface in your relationship with them. This is how you do this. Because in some, somewhere inside, and God may have to give you the eyes to be able to even see this, but find the glory of God on the inside of people and drag it to the surface, even if it's just a grain. <laughs> drag it to the surface and then begin to interact with them in that way. And so when you speak those things, think about this, when you speak those things to people, over people, directed at people that are, even if they are not currently, what are you doing? You are participating in the creative act of God. Because this is what God does, that God, he speaks, of, when he created the world, he spoke those things that are, even, even in the moment when they were not. And he knows the end from the beginning, and God begins to speak that over you, and he speaks it over me. And when we do that to other people, and we call those things out that may not be now, but we call them out as if they are right now, what are we doing? We are prophetically creating things. And you know, you can create hope in people by your words. You can create dreams in people by your words. You can literally create situations. You can create hope. You can create the life of God and participate with the life of God by speaking these kind things prophetically over people. We have the power to be able to do that because God put that same power that he, that he does, he, he places a portion of it in us, and he says, now go be kind. So how do we know where we're at with this, and how can we do this a little bit more? How does it work? What kind of faith does it look like? Well, here's a little illustration to kind of help us think about it just a little bit deeper. Let's watch. How you see other people is a measure of how connected you currently are to Jesus. And that's not just me talking. That's like what scripture says. First John chapter four, verse 20 says it this way. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And so this is a measure of how connected we are with Jesus by how connected we are with other people. Now, Galatians chapter 5 obviously talks about the love and the fruit of the Spirit and peace and joy and all these things. And we can kind of look at it like this through this scripture. 
What I have here is a thermometer. We all know what a thermometer does. What does it do? It basically it takes a reading of the current climate and gives us an indication of where things are at. And so that's what the scripture is talking about. It's saying that, that basically it's talking about love, but it's, it applies to all of these other things that it's basically like taking a temperature reading of how we are with other people. But more importantly, it's an indicator that if things are off, we know where they're off. They're not just off with other people. It's also off with God. And so it can be like a thermometer, uh, but it's also like a thermostat. We've got a thermostat here. You, you know what a thermostat does? We know it actually affects the climate. It, it changes the temperature. It, it, not just, it doesn't just tell us what the temperature is, but it's also creating a climate. And that's true with the fruit of the Spirit as well. It's not just to take a temperature reading, but if we want to affect the climate, we can start to show love, to show peace, to show uh, all of these things, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of these things can actually begin to affect the climate like a, a thermostat. So what does it look like? If you want more kindness, what would you do? Well, there's one of the laws of God that is found in Galatians chapter 6, and it's found in verse Let's see, it's verse seven. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For one who sows to his own flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. So he introduces this concept that is a law of God of sowing and reaping. And if you wanna see more kindness or more fruit of the spirit in your life and relationships, it comes through this principle of sowing and reaping that we sow to it. Now, let's continue. It says, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. And so you will reap. It's a law of God. You will reap kindness if you sow kindness. It says in due time. See, sometimes there's a gap between when we sow kindness and when we reap kindness. And we have to not grow weary in doing that. And sometimes the reaping doesn't even come from the same situation or from the same person that we're showing kindness to, but it's a law of God. If you sow kindness, you will reap kindness. So kindness sown in faith, it multiplies. And so how do we cooperate with the Holy Spirit? Well, we sow kindness by faith. And the way that we do that is by seeing people and their, as their fully sanctified self, even while they're still in process. And that is the act of sowing kindness by faith. It's this kind of kindness that actually changes people. This is what actually changes other people. Romans chapter two, verse four, it says, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness? It's talking about God and forbearance and patience, not knowing that, the, that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. You can look at the context that's saying, hey, if you don't want to take advantage of God's kindness, there's only wrath outside of that. It's God's kindness, though, that leads us to repentance. So we can see kindness and repentance are connected. So kindness is a fruit of the Spirit, right? Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of kindness is repentance. So here's the cycle that begins to happen. Kindness is a, you, you spend time in the Spirit, you have kindness, you have kindness, you have repentance, and the more repentance you have, the more kindness you experience. How you guys know the more kindness you experience, the more repentance you have? And the more repentance you have, the more kindness you have. You can get on the cycle of kindness, repentance, kindness, repentance, kindness, repentance. This is what actually changes people's lives. 
All right, so how many of you guys have experienced that before, the kindness of God, right? And the kindness of God means that you are to repent. Now, here, here's the issue, and I really want to address this for a second. It's not the shouting of God that leads to repentance. It's not the protesting of God that leads to repentance. It's not the finger-pointing of God that leads to repentance. It's not shame from God that leads to repentance, and listen, how many of you guys know there's a, we, the world needs to repent, right? Right? But here, here, here we see something very, very important. If we want to see the world repent, if God says it's his kindness that leads them there, why are we trying other ways? That doesn't mean that there's not a place for righteous anger. There, of course there is. That doesn't mean you sacrifice truth. Of course you don't. But I don't know too many people who've come to repentance based on protesting and shouting and finger pointing. But I do know people in this very church who were non-believers and came into the church and it wasn't the preaching of the pastor that led him to repentance, but the kindness of his people that opened the door. And, and the same is true in our relationship with other people. There are people in your life right now that maybe you want, you're like, man, you're so frustrated. Like, why won't they change? Why won't they repent? Why won't they do things right? And so we, we think that the best way is just to constantly point out things and to, to try to do it in a way that God never designed for repentance to be had. What if the answer to see repentance in the world around us and people around us is not shouting, finger pointing, shaming, condemning, but what if, just what if we use the same method that God used towards us? And if we could see his kindness, if we could show his kindness, then all of a sudden repentance would follow. I think it's an important concept. Maybe it's time for the Jesus way. I'm going to finish up with one last story and have the worship team come back up. But I don't know if this story is true or not. It really doesn't even matter because <laughs> the point is, is what it is. It's a story that I heard about a, a police officer who pulled over this guy who uh, his registration plates and stuff were expired and all that stuff. And, and he, you know, the police officer comes to him and the guy tries to explain it to the police officer. He's like, I'm on hard times, I'm desperate. He's like, I had to choose between, you know, getting this right or feeding my kids. And, and uh, I, I had to choose to feed my kid. And he pleaded with the officer and he pleaded with him. And the officer went away back to his car and came back. And even though this guy was desperate, it was two weeks away from Christmas, he went ahead and, and he handed the guy a ticket and the officer drove off and the guy's sitting there. I mean, he's just devastated. He's like, I can't afford this. Now this puts me further in the hole. And then as he sat there, he unfolded the ticket and realized that the ticket was wrapped around a $100 bill. And he realized that he now had the money to be able to pay the fine and to get things right and to pay the ticket and get things registered. And it's just a small little picture of the gospel, right? Because the full consequences of the law were, it's not like the infraction was just said, ah, it's not a big deal, you don't have to pay for it. But the full consequences of the law were applied, but the officer absorbed the price and the consequences and paid the debt. And that's a picture of what Jesus did for us. He, didn't, he doesn't just wink at sin. He doesn't say, you know, it's okay. Ah, it's not a big deal. It was such a big deal that it cost him his life in our place. 
so that the full consequences of the law were made and met, but in Jesus, he absorbed them and he paid the price. What ultimate kindness. What ultimate kindness, which leads me to, I know I share a favorite scripture every week, but here's another one. Romans chapter five, verse seven. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though for perhaps a, a good person one would even dare die, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I don't know, if you understand this scripture, I don't know how you ever get over that kindness. I really don't know how you get over that kindness. What, what was God doing? In that moment, he was treating every single person here and every single person in the world who would ever live. He was interacting with us, not according to our sin, but he saw, he, he looked beyond that and treated us as our fully sanctified selves and said, you know, he says, hey, for a righteous person, someone might die, but I don't know about beyond that. Jesus went ahead and died for us as if we were righteous. How do, you, how do you get over that kindness, right? This ought to lead us to repent. If there's anyone in our life right now that we are withholding kindness from, like we're trying to withhold kindness to try to control or try to get them to repent of something or to try to prove a point or to try to, if there's anyone in our life that we're withholding kindness from, it's this scripture that ought to cause us to repent. When we see the kindness of God towards us, it ought to bring us kindness towards other people. So would you guys stand up with me? We're gonna take just a moment. And if you just close your eyes for just a moment, Holy Spirit, would you bring situations and people and faces to mind right now in our life where maybe we need to treat others as we would want to be treated and maybe there are people in our life where we need to treat them not as they are, but as they can be. Lord, would you help us right now by the help of the Holy Spirit, help us to see those people whoever those people are, help us to see them. Oh, Holy Spirit, we need your help right now. Help us to see them as you see them. Help us to see them not according to the sin. Lord, help us to see them as their fully sanctified self and begin to pray for them in that way. Begin to love them in that way. Begin to show kindness to them in that way. Lord, help us to give us a picture of what you see. And Lord, if we've been withholding kindness, we repent. We repent right now. And this is where it gets really important because we don't wanna just be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. Holy Spirit, would you even give us actions that we need to take, maybe conversations that we need to have, attitudes we need to adjust, acts that we need to do, apologies that we need to make. Lord, would you give us these next steps? Lord, we ask for it in your name. Amen. Let's worship one more time.